0: brought your Bible with you today. Go ahead and get it out, open it up. You have a Bible app on your phone or on your your iPad. Go ahead and get that ready to go. Find with me 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Are you ready for this today? Some of you are. You're extra rested, so that means extra-responsive right no one's dozing of course we wouldn't allow that anyway we have water bottles and stuff second corinthians chapter six we've been in a series for the last couple of months and i i have another part to it are you ready for for another part i think it's probably might be possibly the last part uh and it will be finished it will be done. So what do, we, what do we say we get all of this today that we can get? Uh, the series is called Go Big Before You Go Home. And uh, we're not going to live insignificant small lives. We refuse to restrict and limit the power of God from working in and through us uh, towards us and towards those around us we know we have the ability to do that it seems almost odd that you and i would have the ability to limit a limitless god but he really did set it up this way and and we can limit god's power provision blessing his will from being accomplished and that uh, none of us individually are going to stop his ultimate plan in the earth but we might stop it concerning ourselves we might be able to limit his blessing and his influence and his his life from working in our lives, and that's what we want to avoid. So we need to expand inwardly. We need to enlarge inwardly. Let's read our verse, Second uh, Corinthians. Notice chapter six, verse eleven. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same I speak as to children, you also be open. Don't be closed, be open. King James Bible says be enlarged. In other words, don't be diminished, don't be small, don't be shrinking, uh, but be enlarged. And he's talking about inwardly, talking about our hearts and our ability to have a large capacity to receive all that God wants to be and do and so forth in our lives. Amen. Now, I want to direct you over to the book of Numbers today. I'll have you look there and then one other place. But Numbers chapter 13. If you're not familiar with Numbers, um, it's the fourth book in the Bible. All right? Numbers chapter 13. In this passage, uh, we are in the middle of the transition, I say in the middle-ish, of Israel going from Egypt to Canaan. All right? And uh, delivered from Egypt by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and then being brought into Canaan's land, a land of abundance, a land of plenty, the land that flows with milk and honey. When they got close, of course... Makes sense uh, if you're going in there and there are opposition forces that you would send spies in first, right? And, and so they sent some spies into the land to go scout it out, see what's there, see what the armies look like, the cities, see what they're going, coming up against. And they did so, and we want to pick up uh, this um, story as those spies returned to give a report. So verse 26 Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And though they were big guys, big Anaks. <laughs> Verse 29, uh, the Amalekites uh, dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and the Termites, and turn off the lights, and... <laughs> No, excuse me. The Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Is that a good word? Why did he say that? Well, you know why Caleb said, Let's go get it. Let's go do this. It's because God told them that He had already given it to them. He said, that land, it's yours. I've already given it to you. So go get it. Go possess it. He's basically reflecting the words of the Lord to the people. He said, here it is. Here we are. Let's go do this. Should that be our our attitude towards anything? That, That God has already given us something. But we recognize that our part of the equation is to rise up and go get it. Yeah, see this is true even more so in our lives concerning all things because we're on the other side of the cross and Jesus has already won the victory. He has already purchased our redemption. He has already redeemed us from death, hell and the grave and provided a freedom from all of the curse and the blessing of God is available to every single person on the planet. But only some have risen up to go get it. Yeah, and this is our job. We can't shrink back and say, well, God's going to do it whenever he decides to do it. Well, if it's his will, if it's his time, if it's his plan, no, Jesus already won the victory. He already paid the price, and it's now time for believers to rise up and say, I will go possess what he has purchased for me. That's how we take the promises of God. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able. There's always that group around, isn't there? One person says, let's do it. We believe God. Let's go up and get it. And someone else says, we can't. No, no, we're not able. We're able. No, we're not able. Be, be aware of that person, by the way, because they're all around. <laughs> and if, see, if you have a word from the Lord and everyone else, and others come around you and say, you can't do that. You can't do that. We, we need to question that. We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people from whom, uh, uh, whom we saw in it are men of great stature. These are big dudes. Verse 33. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like... Grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So, what we have here is the Word of the Lord, which accesses the very power of God itself. If he tells you to do something, obviously there's grace and sufficient power to accomplish it. He told them, go in, go in there and possess it. And a couple of them said, yes, we can totally do this. This is, let's go up and get it. The others said, no, they're too big, they're too strong, we're not able. And the reason they said that was because of a view they had of themselves. What was that view? It was a grasshopper view. They said, they are big. And we are grasshoppers. And that vision of their own potential kept them from going in and taking what God said I've already given to you. The last couple of weeks I've shared with you uh, different facets of the need and importance of having a right and proper vision inside of our lives that we see our own selves, that we see our, our future, that we see what God has promised to us as being a reality and being accurate in accordance with His Word. It's very possible that God says one thing, but we don't see it. We can't see ourselves having it. We can't see ourselves doing it. We can't see ourselves being it. And therefore, we take steps or the decisions that we make are made... Um, not in the light of the full potential of what God can do in and through us, but in light of who we think we are. And that's what was happening here. They said, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so they refused because of that to do what God told them to do because of grasshopper vision. Because of a self-assessment, an insecurity, a feeling of weakness, and an inability to do what he said they were able to do. And it dictated their life. In fact, you read the rest of the story, you can go through the verses, those people never made it in. Only Joshua and Caleb, the two who had faith, were able to enter into the promised land and they had to wait for all those other unbelievers to die off. Amen. Amen. And the Lord had to raise up a whole new generation who didn't see themselves as weak and incapable. And I wonder what plans of God in our days get put off. I wonder what He wants to accomplish but it gets delayed, 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 delayed because someone is always saying I can't do it. Someone is saying I don't have enough. I am not have enough opportunity. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough strength. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the resources. Whatever it is. Really, a better way to say it is you don't have enough faith to believe God will do what he said he would do. But the plans of God get bumped, 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 bumped. And I don't know how many people have missed it before we came along, but all I know is here we are now and we have a choice to make. All, we know, all I know is my heart is beating and my lungs are filled with air and I'm on planet earth to accomplish something great and it's time for us to believe God that he can do exactly what he said to, he would do, but he can do it in me. He can do it through you, right? Because that's the way he works. If he's going to do it all by himself, then there's no use even telling us about it. <laughs> Amen. Just drop us in the middle of it and we'll just say thanks. But he intends to do these things in and through our lives. Their sight was wrong. This caused them to do all kinds of stuff that we don't want. All right? If you read through the passage even further, you can see these. Let me point out a few elements. It caused them, their wrong vision, to believe that others saw them the same way. Do you know that's in reality? That's not true. They said, We're like grasshoppers in, in our sight and we're like grasshoppers in their sight too, and that wasn't true. They were like grasshoppers in their own sight, but the, the inhabitants of the land of, land of Canaan were afraid of them. They knew that God was with Israel, but they perceived, ah, they all think we're small as well. Think that ever happens in our, in our lives? Where one person sees themselves in an insignificant, usually in a negative light. And because of that self-vision, we, sometimes it's insecurity and different factors that play in there. Because of that, they relate to everyone else as if they saw themselves the same way. But if I will see myself properly, it'll change the way I make eye contact with other people. It'll change my confidence level. How do you see yourself? And where'd you get that, by the way? Where'd you get that view? Where'd you get that understanding? Because if it's wrong, it'll keep you from taking opportunities, for taking what they, some people call risks in life. You won't step out. You won't ever become anything great. You won't accomplish much because you see yourself as small and insignificant, incapable. And so they thought it caused them to believe others saw them the same way. It caused them to cry. It caused them to disobey. It caused them to complain. They were, these guys were chief complainers in the land. They constantly complained about everything. What was the root of their, their complaining? It was their unbelief. The root of their complaining was they thought, we can't and all this stuff. What God told them basically was not true. And uh, also, it caused them to attempt to go back into slavery. They're saying... Yeah, we came out of Egypt. And by the way, this is the same crew that walked through the Red Sea. This is the same crew that's picking up manna from heaven every day off the ground. All right? So they have kind of, I'm thinking, eh, not a whole lot of excuses. But they're saying, let's go back. Go back. Do you see a wrong vision in your own life will cause you to go backwards? You know a wrong vision in your own life, even after obtaining some freedom, it will, it will work in you to try to get you to make decisions to go back into your old life. This is why it's essential that not only we be saved, but that also we be discipled. It's not only important to receive eternal life, it's important to know who you are in Christ. It's important to understand what He has done for you fully so you can start to live out this new life and not just accept inwardly eternal life. Because many people get saved and then they go backwards into slavery, they go backwards into sin, they go backwards into bondage. We see this play out many times when individuals uh, are abused in some form or fashion. Maybe someone comes out of an abusive relationship and then there's something in many times, many of them, they will uh, they feel often guilt or shame or something like that and they'll, they'll either stay in an abusive relationship or they'll go back into one after they have been set free huh? Why, why would they do that well it has to do with their own vision of their own self it has to do with how they see themselves and if we can get that changed we can change so much in life I tell you but if we can't get that changed not even God can work in us because I'm telling you that's the way he's working he's working to reveal not only who he is but who we are in him I tell you no one no one is a grasshopper in Christ <laughs> I haven't found that scripture yet. Yeah, uh, I'm just a little thing. You know, people even taught that in, in, in some so-called churches and everything. We're just worms of the dust, so unworthy, so worth nothing, uh, but, but it's all God. Well, listen, Jesus didn't die for nothing. So we need to become nothing, and He become everything, and then He becomes the Lord of nothing. I believe that our lives are all very significant to Him. You carry much value with God. And if you've been born again, you are made in the image of God. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You've been called a very, His very own son or daughter. You are a child of God. That's something special. Should we see ourselves in light of that or in light of our past or in light of what others have, have labeled us as? No, we should see ourselves the way he sees us. We won't attempt to go back into slavery. It caused them, this wrong vision caused them to reject their leader, Moses. They rejected him. He's the one who brought them out. And yet, no, Moses, you're missing it now. It, cause, it caused them to attack those with faith namely Joshua and Caleb they were the ones who said we can do it we believe God and they attacked him for it well that still exists today as well those who say they can those who are who have a big vision and say I I believe God they'll be interrupted they'll be they'll be talked down by those who have no faith but I say we stand up anyway amen watch out before you ever say I can't Because if the Lord said it to you, you absolutely can. Not alone, not apart from Him, not without His ability, but with Him working in you, you can do it. Praise God. Now find another book, uh, just a few pages to the right, the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6. I ask again, what are you in your own sight? In their own sight, they were grasshoppers. Their grasshopper mentality, their grasshopper vision kept them out of God's blessings, kept them away from fulfilling God's plan. What are you in your sight? Say so it doesn't matter how I see myself, it just matters how God sees me. No, that's not the case. It absolutely matters how you see yourself. Did you get that vision from God or does it need to change? Does your inward picture of your own life, does it compel you to do something great? Does it compel you to greatness or, or does it cause you to shrink back and draw back and live in a small way? Here's what we're doing, you guys. We're enlarging. We're enlarging. And we must enlarge inwardly before we can ever enlarge the scope and the significance of our lives. In judges, now we're fast forwarding here, of course. Israel had, had, as a nation, had their times of obedience and disobedience to God. And they would fall into the trap of, of sin and everything, and they would reject the Lord. Then they'd repent, and He'd send, you know, prophets and judges and different ones to come in and set them free and bring them back to a place. This was a negative time. Uh, they had been. Beat up basically. That what happened is they'd get away from God, and just what he said would happen happened. Basically, the protection would be lifted. That was called judgment. Their enemies were allowed to come in and wreak havoc. And what was going on during this time is uh, folks like the the Midians and other nations they'd come in and they'd take all their crops and their food and take their animals and and just wipe them out. And so they were basically impoverished. These are the people that God said, my blessing will be upon you. They're impoverished because of their disobedience, and these nations would come in, they'd grow something, they'd take it away. So they don't have any food, they don't have any stuff, and so it's a really difficult time. And uh, sometimes they would learn after a while, <laughs> call on the name of the Lord, <laughs> that would help. Uh, but what they were doing is they had to hide their food from these nations that were around them. And so let's pick up here Judges chapter 6, reading about a guy named Gideon. Verse 11, Judges six eleven. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, uh, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor." And I want you to notice the language, the terminology used to describe Gideon. He was called a mighty man of valor. But step back for a moment and look from either the angel's perspective, or of course, the angel is bringing a message from God, from God's perspective. Is Gideon doing anything mighty? Is he accomplishing anything of valor in his life? He's not, he's hiding. He's, what's his job? Let's get some wheat and let's hide it from the Midianites. So he's living underground. He's totally hiding the stuff so it doesn't get taken away. This is not a picture of boldness. This is not a picture of a mighty man, a a person of valor, a person who is a great leader. He's not a military leader. He's not going out there saying, we got to change things, you guys. It's time to repent and believe God for him to restore our nation. None of that is going on. So God has given him a name, a description. He has defined him a certain way through this angel. But it is not a picture of the way he's been acting. It is not a description of his life up until that point. Do you see how God works? What was necessary For Gideon to ever become, in an outward way, to ever do mighty things, to ever accomplish works of valor, is he had to accept that label of himself. He had to accept that description of his life. Otherwise, why lead with it? But if he's just going by what he sees, meaning the angel here, he would say, hey, Gideon, you weak, <laughs> you man who hides in the wine press. But that's not how he described him. He put a label on him. and gave him a name that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. And this is also the way the Lord works in our lives. He says something to us, That is not an an accurate description of the way things look at the present. He says that we are something before we ever look like we are that thing. He says that we can accomplish things before we ever accomplish anything. And I believe this that God wants to make you great. And He wants to make me great. And so he says certain things about us. We can, we can see this in Scripture when it comes to redemptive realities, meaning, uh, doesn't, it, doesn't the Scripture say that we are healed? I mean, couldn't we show you that a few places, that we are healed? Does it say that to a person who's sick? Yes. Doesn't the Scripture say, and that's First Peter 2.24 24 be one example of that, doesn't the Scripture say? That we are rich? 2 Corinthians 8. All right. Does it say say that to a person who's homeless? Yeah. Does it say that to a person whose bills stack up higher than their, their balance in their bank account? Yeah. The Lord continues to say to us and about us things that are beyond our present condition. He calls us, well, you know, scripture says, What manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called sons of God? Yeah, and many times we don't even look related to Him, right? We're not, we're not behaving in such a way that is worthy of the family name. But yet He says, You are, you have, you can do. This is who I say you are and the goal is that we would embrace it and say yes I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes I am above and not beneath the head and not the tail. This is my family inheritance. This is who I am. This is who God has called me to be. If we will embrace that image inwardly instead of a grasshopper mentality we rise up and accomplish. We be. We It, it, it eventually starts to show up in our outward existence. But this is how the Lord works, and He's working in us this way. Hallelujah. See, we got to stop agreeing with what we see. Many, many people take pride, and pride is bad too, by the way. Uh, uh, they take pride in the reality of, uh, uh, of being able to call it like they see it. And they hurt, and they say, I'm sick. And if they and they're, and they're struggling, and they say, I can't. They're, they're, they feel defeated and they say, "I am I, i'm weak i 'm weak, I 'm weak." And, and then the Lord says, "But no, you're strong in me." And it's time to start disagreeing with the circumstance, disagreeing with how things look, and start agreeing with the word of the Lord. And I tell you, the Lord has words many of, for us in Christ, but just like He said to Gideon here, "You are a mighty man of valor." What eventually happened is this hiding? Guy became a mighty man of valor and ended up leading an army, a small army, because they didn't need much because God was powerful. And ended up delivering the whole nation, became a leader, became an influential person because it started with this, you are this. Yeah. 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 Amen. And so I say we, we, we start to find scriptures and words from God that say what we are. And what we have and what we can do. And in the face of impossible circumstances and evil reports and unbelievers and those who complain and those who cry and those who say let's go back to Egypt until we die. We stand up in the middle of that and say no, no siree. I am going to be all that he has called me to be. I am well able to overcome and I will be strong and I will live long and I will be healed and I will live victorious and I will live a significant large life. But I've got to embrace the principle. I've got to embrace the truth. I've got to accept the promise before it can ever be a reality. Amen. Well I ask again, what, what, how do you see yourself? And where would you get that? Well, I've been told that all my life. But do you have a verse? Because the Lord has never called you a grasshopper. The Lord shows up on your door. He's going to use words like mighty. He's going to use words like great. Amen. And words, of course, that are in redemption. Uh, let me share with you a little bit about how he's worked in my life. And I don't know your story, but I do know my story, so I can tell you that one better than I can tell you yours. Uh-uh. But the Lord told me, uh, actually multiple times, it began, um, it began in October of 1985. Where he, where he uh, said to me, I have great things for your life. He didn't say small things, he didn't say little things, he didn't, say, he said great things. And if you knew me, I, you know, I wasn't um, the one that you would probably look at and say, I can see you leading a, a large influential ministry that reaches people around the world. You wouldn't have said that about me. I mean, I was okay, I was nice, most of the time, I think. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, no, no not someone that you would say, oh, yeah, That guy's got leader all over him, and he's got God all, whatever, huge potential. But the Lord said that to me. I've got great things for your life. And it got my attention. I didn't know what it meant. And I didn't know how that would work out, but it definitely got my attention. I thought, "Hmm, great, I like that, All right, great. And then later, it would come back again. And different people would show up that I didn't know, and they didn't know me, and I didn't know them. And they'd come and tell me, God has great things for you. And I'd perk up. I've heard that before. And I recognized And this happened to me. I, I, went, it got into, I went to Bibles, got into ministry, and people would still tell me, people I didn't know. And the Lord would say, great, great things for you. I have great things for your life. And I thought, hmm, I must not be getting this. The Lord wants me to know this. He wants me to see this. He wants to do something in me, but my vision of my own self must be a limitation, must be a hindrance to what He wants to accomplish. And otherwise, He wouldn't bother telling me this again. If you're going to do it, just do it, Lord. Why tell me about it? Why did people come to Jesus and they came to hear and to be healed of their diseases? Hear the Word and to be healed. Why don't just go to be healed? Because it takes hearing before you can be healed. God works in us. And when in us is capable, then outward stuff can happen. All of us. Someone said, Pastor, just lay your hands on me. Just fix this all in my life. Not everything comes by laying on of hands. Some things do. Be happy to lock you down. <laughs> you know? But some things come with truth. We've got to get it, we've got to see it before we can be it. And so that began to happen that that happened again and again. He's he's shaping me. He's, he's trying to help me to see this. And later he directed me to start this church. And again, you might ask well, why? Why you? <laughs> I don't know. But I needed to accept it. I had to embrace the fact that God in me could and I've asked, the, I've asked questions over, the, over different periods of time, you know, because I want to avoid falling into a trap of, of pride, because that's deception. And, and how do you see yourself as great, as significant, as powerful, or, or wise, or whatever? How do you see yourself that way, and yet not fall into the trap of pride, which will be your destruction? And, and, and the, the way I have concluded, and I believe this is the right way to deal with this, because I don't want to start to see myself small. Some do that. It's almost like a false humility. Well, I'm nothing. Oh, I'm nothing. Well, stop that. You're disagreeing with God. You are something, but your something comes from Him. Your significance is in Christ. Your ability is in Him. The promise is from Him. And, and so we can say about ourselves things that are significant, they're right, they're noteworthy, they're admirable, but then we always connect it to, it's because of God's grace. It's because of what He has done for me. And see, that keeps us from self-exaltation. Everybody okay? And, and, and so, he, he directed me to do that, and then a, a number of years after that, a few years after that, he, he showed me one day, all of a sudden I knew, we would have a building... I wouldn't even ask him about a building at that point. He said, we would have a building that seats 2,000. Okay? 2,000. Now, we don't have that one yet. But that's, gonna, that's coming. And, uh, and, and then later, uh, the Lord said, well, in fact, different parts of this. One of it came, came recently. But the Lord Jesus himself, head of the church, told me. He said, you're the leader of the pack. Those are his exact words. And the Lord showed me, He said that, uh, He showed me that we were like the engine of a train that would lead like a, the train cars, but we would lead many churches. And again, I thought, oh, yeah. And there's a temptation to say, no, I can't. No, I'm not capable. No, I'm not able. But the Lord needs someone to agree with Him. The Lord needs people who will set aside their own uh, weakness or insecurity or lack of knowledge or experience or whatever it may be. And say, I believe God that He can and will do exactly what He said He would do. And He, he, he showed us this and, and that even that other pastors would come to learn. Even older pastors and myself would come and they would come for advice. And, and some would come that didn't even necessarily agree with everything, you know, from a, it's common among ministers, <laughs> theologically, but, but they would see that what we were doing works and that it helps people. And they would come for, for answers and, and for direction, and even just a few weeks ago, I'm sitting. I was Again, I was seeking the Lord, but I wasn't asking Him about the church. wasn't asking Him about this. But just a few weeks ago, again, I saw, I saw the next thousand people that we're going to reach. We're going to jump another thousand people in influence. Hallelujah. And He continues to say things so we can get it in here, so we can embrace it, so we, so we have an opportunity to say... We are well able. Let's rise up and possess the land. But he does give us that option. He does give us the responsibility to say, no, no, I'm running back. I'm going back to the way where we were, where it's comfortable, where I know we can live. We could die out here. (laughs) He gives us the option to accept or reject, to believe or disbelieve. But I tell you, if we'll see ourselves the way that he sees us, It's time for us to go higher. We must see ourselves as capable, as called. We are up to the task. We are in this together, and we are not assigned a small task. Greatness is our destiny. Amen. We are going to see people come to Him more and more, and we're going to fully embrace what we know. This house will continue to represent the Lord in what some may call full gospel ways. In other words, the move of the Spirit, the Spirit-filled life, healings and miracles and victory and answered prayers and not just God on a limited, watered-down religious way. We're going to represent Him in what we know. We will raise people up the body of Christ, to fulfill their role, to fulfill their calling, to take this message to their families, to their neighborhoods, to their workplaces, and even to other states and other nations around the world. We will continue to be exactly what God has called us to be. And I tell you, it is not something small or insignificant, but He has called us to do something great. And if there's a willingness to see it, because listen, you guys, you're a part of it, this is not a one-man show or just for a few people to, to, to accomplish. This is for each person to say, I can be and I will be what God has called me to be. And I refuse to limit the significance of my life. Say, well, he doesn't want me to do much. Who, I don't know if he's called, who's called necessarily everyone to preach and that kind of stuff. But who won Billy Graham to the Lord? Maybe they didn't think they were very influential. I tell you we all have a part to play. Romans 15:29 Paul writes, "But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ." He said, when I come, we're not coming in a limited way. We're not coming weak and crawling in on the floor. We are coming in the blessing, the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And this is the way that we should come. This is the way that we should see and view ourselves and our future as we are not limited in any way other than what we might do or say. But we choose and we purpose in our hearts to agree with Him. We purpose in our hearts to say God is true. Let every man be a liar. His ways are right. His ways are true. And this is the way uh, it's supposed to be. And this is what I'm supposed to do. And I will accomplish His perfect will in my life. Hallelujah. Praise God. What do you say we do this together? We go big. Before we get out of here. Amen. Open up the floodgates. Amen. Let it rain. Let it pour. Let there come more and more. Let there be an increase in all areas of our lives of God's favor, of God's blessing, and of His hand at work in our midst. Amen, amen, amen.